Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. And welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here on a Sunday with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Good to be here. So this is the middle of summer, friends, and more than mom episodes are already where we take a departure from the serious and usually dive into a fun, fluffy topic. And today we're talking about advice, like getting advice, giving advice, reading or listening to other people give and get advice. This is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to this because as I was kind of taking notes and preparing my thoughts, I was realizing that you can learn a lot about yourself um, and your personality by the way you give or don't give and take or don't take advice. And it, I think yeah. it just kind of showed me a lot about myself. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. And I also, every time I was thinking about these questions Two, I had to make a real clear delineation between different types of things that I might take or give advice about. Like I was thinking about, we'll get into it, but I was thinking about how our culture today so relies on crowdsourcing Mm -hmm. for things like which vacuum cleaner should I buy and like which school is best in the neighborhood. And so I think actually advice asking and advice giving is maybe more prevalent than we think. But when we think about like, Dear Abby or like Dear Sugar, mm-hmm. there it's like often with these big like relationship uh, questions or like personal growth, career questions, and like I just realized that I'm very, very different, differently inclined to give and receive advice depending on which of those two extremes you're talking about. And of course, there's there's stuff that's somewhere in the middle, like right. dealing with a parenting challenge or something is is headier than which vacuum should I buy, but it might be a little more practical than. Like, am I on the right career path? So, right, right. Yeah, I guess yeah. all that to say, it depends. It depends. Yes, it depends, like with everything, right? 
Um, well, I wanted to start by asking you if you, as a kid, remember reading advice columns in the newspaper or magazines, and did you? What's your early memories of being aware of this concept of like an advice column? I'm not talking about mom, should I wear the red dress or the blue dress, but like right. that there was almost an industrial complex around yeah giving and receiving advice. What do you remember? Well, I remember, I would say it was probably more like my young teen, mid teen years where I started being kind of aware of those. And I did love them. I was, I took them and I ate them up and I took them quite seriously, (laughs) which thinking about that just kind of reminded me of how susceptible I was to other people's opinions, especially at that age of my life. And how, if I read something that was published, you know, in print somewhere, I would take it very seriously and think, well, this person really must know. Um, They must know something. And I think some of that tendency is still in me. And I sometimes have to kind of fight back against it a little bit and realize like it's an opinion. Um, And it might even be a very educated opinion, but that doesn't mean that it's like the only opinion that counts or is even correct. Yeah. Um, I also even then would notice that if I read advice that I thought was really off the mark, I would almost be angry about it. Um, Mm And I do think, and we'll dive into this later, I'm not very good at taking advice, especially unsolicited advice. I think what was different about advice columns is they weren't, it wasn't me they were giving the advice right. to, it was someone else. So you're like a voyeur and you could just like go, ooh, like I agree with that. But when I didn't agree, the a feeling of annoyance or whatever that feeling was that would pop up for me was because I would still on some level feel like I needed to agree with it or take that advice that mm-hmm. A, wasn't even for me. And B was written by a total stranger who would never know the difference. Like, but I would still somehow take it to heart. Like, I don't agree with this, but someone's going to expect me to do it because that evidently is the right answer. So um, there's a lot to unpack with this. There is a lot to unpack. Do you, I'm curious because I'm going to talk about Dear Abby and what's who's her sister? Abigail Van Buren. Uh, Yeah. Ann Landers, right? Oh, Ann Landers. That's yeah. Abigail Van Buren is Dear Abby. Dear Abby and Ann Landers. Our newspaper got Ann Landers and I can still remember her face, her little black and white headshot, which was me too. Not the version I was reading would have been 80s and early 90s, but maybe her picture was probably a little dated, but it wasn't as dated as when I mean, she she, you know, is such a staple, been like decades and decades. So I'm curious if like what the actual format was. Were you reading anything like this in a newspaper? Was it magazines? Um, so Ann Landers was also the one that was in the paper that I remember reading the most. I mean, I moved around quite a bit, so I'm sure we had different papers. And at one point I must've been, I must've been exposed to Dear Abby because I do remember, um, Dear Abby, but I don't like Ann Landers was our hometown gal. Me too. Me too. Um, but I remember that. And I also read a lot of my, um, mom and stepmom's magazines that were yep. laying around. So yep. like there were, there was the, can this marriage be saved in red oh, book? That okay. was not exactly advice, but that was like a, a psychiatrist, I think, or a family therapist would kind of like talk to two different people and then give them advice about what they should do to save their marriage. I remember that one. Like I remember really finding yeah. that one fascinating. Pretty sure that was red book. There was, um, Oh man. Like as I got older, I feel like dear E Jean or something. And that was not even that long ago. That was in maybe L magazine. So there were, I was exposed to a lot and I would even read the advice for like the country vet about what to do about your dog that's peeing on the floor. Like I would just eat it up. It doesn't really like my memory of it is all over the place because, um, a lot of in the nineties was, which is, I think where my memories kind of are more concentrated. There was just a lot of advice being given and a lot of these publications and I read all of it. Yeah. 
Okay, so very similar. Um, Ann Landers is also the the first one I remember. And I remember my when we were at my grandparents, they would always do the crossword. And I remember like it was very ritualistic to take the crossword page, the way they'd fold it and put it on a clipboard. But the also the Ann Landers was part of that. So I remember reading it almost like on a folded over. Like if I flipped over the crossword, there was Ann Landers. I would read it there, but I think I read it at home too. I think she was on our, in our home paper. Um, I just don't think we tore out the crossword the same way. And I just have such a memory of that at my grandparents. Um, I remember the early teen, like YM magazine and 17 magazine must've had some, I don't know if it was advice or like some kind of reader editor correspondence. Like you were saying, can this marriage be saved? It was something from the same genre that I remember totally loving. I think YM had a, had an advice column. I feel like maybe it did. Um, it definitely had like a question prompt where it would be like, what yeah. is your most embarrassing period story? And then everyone would write in and I loved those too, but I, I feel like it did have an advice element. So yes, I remember it. I, I remember feeling like that was almost how I learned how the adult world worked outside of my immediate family sphere. Like we didn't have a lot of, thankfully we didn't have a family going through a lot of like drama, divorce, in-law stuff, or like estranged uncle and like, you know, and so sometimes reading about those like inter-family dynamics, I almost felt was like educational. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, this is a thing that happens when you're a grown up. Like your sister-in-law is not speaking to you because the dog peed on her carpet that one time, you know, like, I just, yeah. And then, and then of course, consuming the advice was also deeply, um, I think just educational. It was like, I was gathering data about how the grown-up world worked and I I loved it. I ate it up too. Do you consume anything similar to a device column now? You know, I in preparation for this episode, I was googling like what is even out there now. There's a lot. There's still a yeah. lot of this kind of stuff and I like Slate has had long-running advice columns and there's a lot of famous and some of them have turned into podcasts and I admit that I I don't. In fact, I'm not even up to speed on what the popular ones are. So I don't like seek them out, but I will say that there's the New York Times has like a, I think it's called Ask the Ethicist. Um, And that for some reason gets fed to me a lot on Facebook. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because people like the comments are always a hot mess because people (laughs) strongly disagree with um, the advice given. And, but I will find myself like if one pops up in front of me and I happen, and I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook these days, but if it, if it gets in front of me, I will read it and I will read all the comments. And I find I mean, it's not exactly, well, it is advice. It's ethical advice. Like someone saying, what are the ethics of this issue? Um, then I will read, I will eat them up and then read all the comments and get, and find out what people think, like what they think they would do or where things went wrong. Um, comment sections in general are like an advice column, sort of just with like a lot of unqualified anonymous people giving advice and And I would also say Facebook is like Facebook has turned into basically just a big advice column. Yeah, no. And we will dive into all that, too. And and we'll also talk about what it's like for us having this podcast where sometimes we are like perhaps against our better judgment, put in a position where we are the advice givers. We're going to get into all that. But as you were talking, I was thinking about like our Facebook group. And yeah, that is a forum where people are asking and giving advice all the time. It's not a like Ann Landers you know, newspaper, but right. it's, it's something similar. The one I will say that sometimes I will for mostly for work, but Megan Leahy, who's been a guest on the podcast and I've read her parenting stuff for a long, long time. And she's real snarky and um, a little bit 
I like her. I like her point of view a lot, but she has a traditional parenting advice column in the Washington Post as part of on parenting. And she actually takes questions live once a week. So it's all it's all not on video, though, like just on um, like chat. Um, And then those are published later. So you can submit a question and and log on. And actually, I think you interact with her or you like anyway. And then those get published later as and they are very traditional newspaper style advice columns, but they're parenting related. And I don't agree with everything she's ever said, but I really like her. And so I find it's almost that I find myself going to her stuff because I already have a baseline respect. And I'm sure that was true of Ann Landers and Dear Abby. Like if you thought they generally gave good advice, you might be more likely to perk up if they are addressing a topic yeah. that, you know, that's relevant to you. It's kind of like in this day and age, like anyone could give advice. So like, who's, how, how do you right. even know? Like, <laughs> Who knows what they're talking right, about? Right. Yeah. Well, and I just re- I just remembered that I had a an advice column briefly. Oh my gosh, I, um, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was for that website, The Mid, I believe. Mm-hmm. That was like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. Scary Mommy, right? Wasn't The Mid part of Scary well, Mommy? The Mid bought Scary Mommy. So the company that owned The Mid bought Scary Mommy. I don't believe The Mid exists anymore. Um, but so I think they like put all their, but this was before the scary mommy acquisition. And it was like, the site was very new. And I think I, yeah, we did. And I think I had like, I don't, I think I did maybe 10 or 11 columns for them, which were advice columns. Like people would send me questions and I would answer them. And it was fun. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. 
All of our places products are made without PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, our place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, Megan. Well, last month in our More Than Mom, uh, at the end of June, we had this big, long episode about what we were like as kids and teens, which was really fun. Um, And it definitely, like... I don't know, opened my eyes to what I was like as a teenager and what like how that's changed. Um, I am curious before kids, I know you had kids young, but before like the realities of adulting set in and when your life quandaries were maybe a little bit simpler, teenage, Mm. teenage drama, would you say you were an advice giver? Like in your friend group, were you one where people would ask you for advice? Did you feel comfortable giving advice? And I'm not talking necessarily about big life stuff. Like, like, you know, your friend wants to know which dress to wear to prom or like what they should, you know, do their science project on. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember and to be accurate. I, I want to say no. I think I've always had a bit of a complex about not wanting to insert myself into other people's business um, mm-hmm. or to be in some way like like an especially if it wasn't asked for or was unsolicited like I think I've always kind of uh, downplayed what value I might bring to the table in that specific instance yeah. or think I'll just be an annoying person like if I mm-hmm. do that so I don't think so I I think that there were probably people in my life who did seek me out because I thought I had some knowledge about this or that. And I probably would be glad to be asked if I was asked, but I just don't think that that was a dynamic that I had with many of my friends. Yeah. I actually think my answer is similar. I think I was a pretty good listener. So I think, and I think I was, um, a thoughtful, like a thoughtful Mm -hmm. listener. And so I remember a lot of long conversations about like, the boy I have a crush on and I made him a mixtape and like now it's been three days. I mean, I'm making this yep. up, but you know, the, the minutia, oh, yeah. the minutia. I had those kinds of long conversations right. with my friends. I got very deep sometimes. I just very don't think deep. me telling them what to do was part of it. Well, and I think that's, yeah, that's where I was going is I, I think it was more like, and maybe this is just a part of teenage friendships. It was more like come into the minutia with me and be mm-hmm. here with me while we analyze every, like everything thing that he said. And like, we just, I just remember being inside the soup of my friends mm-hmm. relationship dramas or their fights with their parents or whatever. And, and sort of intimately involved, but not necessarily giving advice. And maybe since we both kind of have that memory, maybe that's more typical. I do think people sometimes sought me out as someone who would listen, but, yes. but like I said, I think it stopped short of like, then you should do this. Although I do remember, I mean, I do remember people being like, okay, I'm going to talk to him tomorrow at lunch in the quad. I'm going to go up and, you know, ask him like if we can go to lunch. And I was, I was the cheerleader and I was like, but that was after like eight hours of conversation. Right. right. And it wasn't really my idea. It was just, I'm just here with you. And so maybe, maybe that's just normal. 
Do you, I mean, do you remember, like, I'm thinking of those sleepovers and I have some very specific memories. One was like on my front porch. I remember I had a sleepover on my front porch with my friend, Jenny, where we stayed up, I think until the birds came out <laughs> and just like talked about life and like everything yeah. we said seemed so deep, you know, <laughs> like yeah. everything oh, yeah. we went into, it was all so fascinating. I found her life fascinating. She found my life fascinating. Like everything was just material to be dissected. But yeah, if she then decided now I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my mom, I really think I'm old enough to have a later curfew or whatever. It wasn't because I told her to do it usually. Yeah. Or or I might like, or I might bounce ideas back. Like I might be like, well, what would happen if you did this? You know, like a lot of that reflective listening and things like that. So I don't know. I, yeah, it doesn't feel like traditional advice to me. And maybe the teenage as teenagers, we were all looking to the magazines for for real advice. Exactly. You know, we weren't asking yeah. each other. Um, well, then the the flip side of that question is, would you have been likely in that stage of life and even into your early 20s, I guess, to ask for or rely on other people's advice if you were facing a question? I'm going to say no. Um, I don't think so. I think that for me, asking for advice is the complicated thing. And it has always been for me. Um, I think when I was younger, I didn't want to bother people. I didn't want to make them somehow responsible for what I should like. There was this feeling like I should be able to figure this out. If I ask for advice, it means I don't know how to do this on my own. And that's like somehow bad. And I think that it took me a long time to realize that sometimes like, um, just it's asking for advice is more about the it's about more than the thing the other person tells you to do. And I think we can dig into that a little bit more as we're talking about how we are now as adults. But the other thing is, I think that if I was given advice at that age, I would also bristle because it felt like the other person was underestimating me or didn't think Mm -hmm. I could figure it out on my own. So it was like exactly the same reason I didn't ask was also the same reason why I didn't often take advice. And Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of you know, pride, misplaced pride, um, wrapped up in that. And also I think maybe a little bit of obligation, like a people pleasing thing where like, if someone tells me to do something now, I have to do it. Yeah. Don't give me advice because then I may be forced to not take it. And that's just not going to feel good to either one of us. So I don't know. It's, it's a complicated thing, but I would just say no, not much. I think my answer again is similar and it's, interesting to me because obviously we didn't know there was so much we didn't know what we were doing as adolescents and even into our 20s we needed guidance everybody does Mm -hmm. we needed support um but maybe it it is a vulnerability thing maybe it takes a certain amount of life experience and we'll we'll get into our 30s and 40s later where you can actually say like oh i'm interested in what other people might have to say on this quandary. I don't need to do, I don't need to take their advice, as you said, but I'm interested in different perspectives and maybe just the sort of fragile ego of adolescence and early twenties. Like it doesn't really allow for that. I I went into this episode thinking teenagers and, and young twenties are the most in need of like, you have a lot of life transitions and a lot of like relationship dramas and all those things, but maybe it is also a time where it's really hard to quote unquote, ask for advice. Don't tell me what to do. Right. Mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I probably would have taken it better from a friend than a parent for sure. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it was, e- it was, I don't think taking advice has ever been easy for me. And, uh, even now I'm just thinking about my dynamic with like Eric, I know we're gonna talk about being grownups, but it, it's like that same personality thing. 
he might start to give me a little piece of advice and I can feel like my neck, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like my shoulders going toward my ears, even though he's just offering a suggestion in the yeah. spirit of wanting to be helpful. And he yeah. doesn't care if I do what he says or not. Right. I have to like really work past that, that little rush of pride and irritation and feeling like he doesn't think I get it or he doesn't think I can figure this out on my own, whatever it is. It does yeah. feel sometimes like being told what to do. And I have a hard time with it. I will yeah. just admit it's not a place of, it's a place of continued growth for me. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. yeah. I think um, I, I was not likely to ask for advice at all in the same way. But I also think I was looking to, I was looking for, I was gathering the data in my own way, almost like in the way that you read an advice column or that I said, I read advice columns to figure out how the world worked. I'm thinking about the process of choosing a college and I did choose a school far away from home. I thought I wanted to go to the, all the way to the East coast. And I ended up in Chicago And I had my own ideas about what kind of a school would be right for me. And I had, like you said, a kind of a little bit of an independent streak of like, I know what I want. But at the same time, that had to have been that had to have come from somewhere because I was 17 years old. So I'm not sure if I was watching and listening. I don't remember at all asking for advice on big stuff or small stuff at that age. So interesting. Well, and the irony is that we're all passively asking for advice all the time, but we're doing it in an indirect way. Like every time you listen to a podcast, um, unless it's just for entertainment, you're in some way absorbing ideas, which is kind of the same thing as taking advice. The difference is, you know, you and I, Sarah, aren't like going, unless someone sends in a listener question, we're not saying, hey, Mary, who's listening to this at home with your three and five-year-old, here's what we think you should do. That's right. a very different kind. It's different when you can just go read what people think or listen to what people think and right. then think, oh, does, does this strike a chord with me? I like this. I'm going right. to take it as advice, even though it wasn't. It's just information. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. 
highest chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. So, Megan, I became a mom in 2008, which really was right at... um like mass adoption of Facebook. I think Facebook was a couple of years old, but like people, everyone, everyone's starting to get on Facebook. So my like entry into parenthood really coincided with this very new and sudden and widespread ability to get advice from strangers on the internet. If you, if that was your persuasion with, I know you were in forums and there could be like chat rooms and things like that, but also from, from your friends in a very quick and easy manner. And I think a lot of our listeners who are, have kids younger than us, like they know no different from a time when you can crowdsource things like, Oh, my baby won't take a bottle. Like what are the best nipple shapes? Like what's the best place to have your holiday photo taken? Like, I almost feel like we are now living in a time where casual advice getting and giving is so everywhere that we don't even realize that that's really what's happening, but it is. None of that was possible just a couple of decades ago. You would have had to send it into Ann Landers or ask your friend. Like those were really the the options. So I just, I just find it interesting. I guess maybe if there's a question for you, do you feel like that is the modern sense of advice giving and getting, or does it feel like there's a difference when you are maybe sitting down with a trusted friend or sending a note into an right. expert. Is is there a difference? To me, I mean, to me, they're completely different. And I mean, I would crowdsource all day for things like, um, what's the best place to eat in town? Or, mm-hmm. you know, like things like that. They're like simple and can be answered quickly and where the person's opinion won't annoy me because it has nothing to do with my life. It's not um, a life judgment. It's like not a, moral. a life judgment. Yeah. I think one on the flip side, and I've, I think that having to have an opinion, like the fact that now Facebook, for example, or even Instagram to some degree has become sort of an unofficial advice platform, even Mm -hmm. when you didn't ask for it, it just Mm -hmm. opens you up to so many more times people might think that you're looking for advice and you're not. And I know both you and I also are very, like very mindful of wanting to make sure we truly understand a situation before we weigh in. Like there's Mm -hmm. just a lot that doesn't always happen in those forums. And so um, I have a hard time even sometimes reading other people's advice to other people in those platforms because I'm like, well, you don't know anything about them though. Like you yeah. didn't take into account this or this, or you didn't ask this question. Like, how can you give that advice when you don't even know this intricate detail or whatever it is? And I, I really don't like forming an opinion when I don't feel like I understand what I'm forming an opinion on, much less telling the other person what they should do. Like to me, those two things are are rough. So if it's super simple on social, like, Hey, where's the best place to go um, for a margarita? Okay, cool. It's like very little, there's very low stakes there. Anything more 
personal or detailed, I shy away from just, it's, it's still all the things I don't like about advice giving and taking are, are wrapped up in that, but just it's worse somehow. Yeah. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Oh, I, I totally agree. And yet I would actually say that it's even taken me a while to get comfortable asking for tips and advice, even on those simpler items. And I kind of forget what a useful tool that can be. So like, you know, I don't know, I'm going to paint my walls and all of these grays look alike is like, did you learn anything when you painted your house? Like, I love asking, is there anything you do differently? You know, if you had X, Y, Z to do over again, like, is there anything I, I don't know. Um, so I think I actually really benefit from seeking that type of practical, um, wish I'd known sooner type advice on ye old internet. And it's not that I have a resistance. It's not that I don't want those other people's opinions. It's that sometimes I forget that I don't have to figure all that out from scratch. I mean, just the other night, my dog got sprayed in the face by a skunk and like we turned to the internet and like, there's a lot of good information. And when you start then crowdsourcing your friends who maybe do know a little bit more about your situation, there's a wealth of knowledge there. So I guess I am here for, um, mindful advice getting and giving on the internet. But I agree with you. I would not pose a deeper philosophical, like life choice question. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, What types of things are you likely to ask about these days? Um, And not, not in a crowdsourcing social media sense, but actually like to go to a friend and be like, Hey, what do you think about this? I had to really think hard about this. And I honestly, not much. <laughs> um, I also find that sometimes even asking about those, like, like you were saying about painting the wall, like, which gray do you like? Or, you know, what should I know before I, I sometimes can find even the responses to stuff like that, those quick hitters, very overwhelming because those are the kinds of things a lot of people will weigh in on. Yeah. And then it's like, well, now what do I do with all this information? How do I decide whose opinion is the one I want to take? Um, so I, again, I think I almost always go at it in a more passive way where I would go like seek out reviews or mm-hmm. I'd read an article before I would ask for advice. Um, I maybe again, that's like the obligation thing. Now I feel like I have to do what all these people have told me to do. And I literally can't because they're all telling me to do something slightly different. Um, so I, I resist there. Um, again, that feeling like the answer is already out there. If I just look for it, I can find it. Why should I bother these people mm-hmm. to tell, even though people would like probably love to tell me what they think and share their opinion. People love to do that. I just find myself resisting it. I do have a few, like a small number of people you're in this list who I will go to for certain kinds of things. Um, you like a really before, Mm -hmm. not like, not like a life change decision, but like, no, but I think I have, but I, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I have have a couple of times, but more likely, yeah, it would be something like I bought all these notebooks and now I don't know. I think we literally had this conversation. I bought all these notebooks and now I don't know what to do with them. Like something like that, where you can just talk it through. And then the funny thing is I didn't take any of your advice, by the way, I used, I ended up using my notebook for something totally different. Um, and actually felt weird about it for a minute. I'm like, Sarah took three minutes to send me a Vox message and (laughs) tell me what I should do with my notebook. And I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to do something totally different and having to remember that you truly don't care. Um, so my list of people is very small and the types of things I would ask about are either like. I really just want to hear sort of what you would do so that I can form my own opinion. So I have more ideas to throw on the pile, not necessarily to do what you'd say. 
there's that. And then there's the, I'm truly stuck. I don't know what to do next. I need, often I just need someone to talk through it with me so I can come to my own conclusion mm-hmm. and then they can kind of hold me accountable. Um, mm-hmm. that yeah. also, that might be more with like an interpersonal thing or something like that, but, uh, it's pretty infrequent. Well, I was going to say when you have come to me about things, you often frame it as I just want to talk through something. And sometimes it's fluffy. Like we're not talking like we're not talking about like deep, serious life stuff all the time. But you usually frame it as, OK, I have a situation. I want to articulate the situation and then just hear your take. And and maybe we're being like too literal about the term advice, like as if someone else is going to tell us what to do. But don't you think sometimes that just explaining a scenario is a way of processing and then like whatever the other person says, you still get to form your own opinion. And I, I guess right. I like hopefully we're in most of us have some adult relationships now where you aren't going to be bossed around. You're not going to be shamed for right. like, oh, my gosh, why would you think that? Or like, why wouldn't you do it this way? And I think that's hopefully what everybody has access to somewhere in their relationship. Yeah. You know, it's the only person that's in my life who I actually think gives me a lot of advice I didn't ask for is my brother, um, <laughs> who's like a close, a close person. And I kind of just know that's the deal. Like, I just know the, the based on the nature of our relationship, the kinds of conversations he and I have, we talk about a lot of heavy stuff. Um, that's just always been our dynamic and we hang out together a lot, just the two of us, which gives us a lot of opportunities to do that kind of thing. And at some point, something's going to come up and he's going to give me a piece of advice. I just know it. And I have to kind of just breathe through it. If I don't agree, I find that I'm less defensive with him than I might be with other people because Mm -hmm. I sort of just, I go in knowing that's what I'm going to get. And sometimes I take it and sometimes I don't, but it's taken like practice to get to that place. You know what I mean? Um, And I think that my tendency is to want people to say things like, well, and this is what I would say. And we're going to talk about giving advice, but to say question to, to present questions like, what do you think would happen if dot, 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 mm-hmm. how would it look yeah. if you did this? And then people can kind of come up with their own. They can decide on their own. Maybe I'm planting an idea, yeah. but I'm not telling them. I think that I would do that. Cause honestly, what do I know? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I think we're, we, we're all a bit more aware now that like not every conversation is a plea for advice. So if you're going in to vent to a friend about like your three-year-old's terrible behavior, um, you aren't necessarily looking for advice. And, you know, ideally that is met with more of like, oh, that really stinks. Like how, like, how would you like me to show up? For right. You? Like, are yeah. you, would you like some of my advice or are you just looking to vent? And I, I see it cause I see it in our Facebook group and I read it in books. And I, I think hopefully we're coming to a place where we don't assume we have to solve other people's problems and other people don't feel like they have to solve all of our problems, but sometimes you have to be explicit. Like sometimes you have to say, I just want to vent. I'm not looking for advice here, or I would love your advice if you have any. And I have some friendships like that where I can say one of those two things and, Mm -hmm. you know, but then I also have relationships where if I want to authentically complain a little bit or just not even complain, but just share what's going on in my life, there will automatically be some advice or suggestions offered. And I have to be like, like you said, like ready for that and ready to ignore it if that's what I need to do. Well, I want to say that we even made that a rule. One of the rules in our Facebook group. To not jump in and give advice if it wasn't explicitly asked for, because that can be such um, 
not only a turnoff, but it can actually, I think, sometimes um, kill the conversation mm-hmm. or make the other person feel very unheard when they're given mm-hmm. advice that they didn't, that they weren't requesting and they really just, you know, want. And maybe sometimes advice can look, again, maybe we're being too specific with the way we're defining advice. Cause I'm thinking of conversations that you and I would have, or maybe if I went to you with something a little more heavy, you might, you might commiserate in a way where ideas are brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, where a different way of looking at a topic might get brought up or where same thing with me. I might like, if you came to me with something that you're just venting about, I might say, man, that just reminds me of the fact that like this X, Y, Z is really hard. And here's what yeah. I think is happening when ABC happens. And that doesn't mean I'm telling you, I'm not telling you to do anything. It's just no. like, Hey, here's another way you might look at this. And when you do that for me, I find it very helpful. I also don't feel like I have to do anything with that information. Right. You're really, really good actually at offering that perspective. And I truly, when you do it, it is truly like perspective is the perfect word. It's not, it's not even, and because I can be self-critical about like not having thought of everything. Like that's a, that's a story I have of like, how did I not see that or thought of that? But you're very good at offering perspective without it being like, well, didn't you think about this dummy? You know, yeah. you're just, you're, you're good at that. <laughs> well, I can think of in our business just to like switch gears for a bit. There are definitely times where as business owners, we are actively seeking advice. We are like, yeah, nope, we do not know what we're doing. Or right. we feel we maybe have gotten some bad advice. That's happened a couple of times. And, and then we're actually going to find someone who has more information and more knowledge than we do. And we're always we always want the opportunity to not take their advice. Like we're the owners, as as we used to say, we're the deciders. But I think a lot of times we aren't looking for perspective. We are actually looking for yeah, tell us what to do. Yes, yes, exactly. Sometimes more than we get. Like you would think people would be more, I don't know, specific with their advice. And I think in business, sometimes it's been hard to get the level of direct advice that we want. And sometimes like maybe that's our, our own, um, self-consciousness showing, but like, we're like, no, really just tell us what to do. Just tell us what to do. Well, and I think it's because if it's the kind of thing that there's not a lot of ego wrapped up in, if, if we don't know, and we, we know we don't know, and nor do we have any judgment of ourselves or expectations on ourselves to know, because it's not our business to know this accounting practice or whatever, then it's so easy to take advice. Cause it's like, oh yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. And there's no reason I should have known that. Right. And I, and I didn't really want to learn it for myself. Right. And that's very different from like someone telling you at the park that you should like parent your kid differently when that's, that's what you're good at. Like that's your kid. That's your relationship. You're the expert in that situation. And it means a great deal to you to be honored and to be respected in that role of being the decider in that situation. So getting, you know, specific advice in those, I'm just throwing out two realms as very different as a very different feeling. Yeah, it is. And yet I think we probably still bring our hardwired baggage to the table, even in, even in both realms, because there's still like a bit of ego setting aside that happens when you're ready to say like, please tell me what to do. (laughs) Right. Right. And, but don't waste my time and don't tell me to do anything I don't want to do. So (laughs) yeah, a lot of those things. Yeah. That baggage, just a good way to put it. It is. Well, let's talk about giving advice because clearly we feel a little odd about receiving advice. It's tricky. It's complicated. It's fraught. How do you feel about giving advice? Because we have this here podcast, which one might argue 
is, is just advice. It's just giving parenting time. advice over and over again. I mean, I think it's it's slightly more nuanced than that. But yeah. uh, let me start with this question. Do you feel, do you like it? If I came to you and was like, I just really need your advice. I want you to listen to this and tell me what you would do. Is it do you generally feel flattered if someone comes to you for advice, business advice, parenting advice, writing advice? Like, does that does it give you a little boost? Yeah, I do. I like to be asked. Um, and I like to be asked, especially when it's because someone has per- perceives that I would be knowledgeable about something mm-hmm. and that I, that my advice would be helpful. So yeah, I do like it. I, I get it. It's, it's like an ego boost, but it's also like a helper thing. It's, um, mm-hmm. um, and because I don't like to insert myself into people's lives without being asked, it's almost like a little bit of a relief. Cause it's like, no, I really want you to do that. And then I'm like, Oh great. Okay. Cause here's some ideas that I have for you, or here's what I've been thinking about. It's not that I don't have opinions about other people's lives. I just, <laughs> I, I wait to be asked yep. usually, um, or what people should do. I'm very opinionated. So I really do like to, how about you? Do you like to be asked? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's, it speaks right to my, like, exactly. Like you said, like, I'm so glad you asked, hold my LaCroix and let me tell you, right. um, I, I particularly like it when it is an area that I feel confident in. There have been times where people have asked me about relationship or parenting advice where I want to be like, yeah, no, I don't know. Like it's really if it's murky and um, unclear to me, I do not want to blow smoke at somebody and call it advice. So there are there are topics on which I feel not super excited about giving advice. And because we have this podcast, we get a asked sometimes about really nuanced, tricky parenting and family life things that I want to say, like with love, like I am, we're not qualified to answer that question. Like we don't know enough about your family. There's too much of this that is really like, go with your gut, what's right for you. So the, the areas where I really like to be asked for advice would be things that I can really confidently give my experience. So if someone asked me about podcasting or um, like a really technical question about something or like what, you know, I don't know, even very specific products and technology. And like, if it's something I feel like I have a lot of experience in, I'm like, yeah, how long do you have? How much do you want to talk about this? Mm-hmm. I really, I really enjoy it, but it's not, I guess it's not across the board, every topic. It's interesting though, because I'm thinking about like, if I were asked a really tricky, nuanced family, you know, dynamic story or, a situation. And I was asked for advice about that. I actually think I would still love to dig in on that. What I think I would probably do is a lot of like reflecting and just like going, okay, so well, what do you think they think? Or like, what, what, again, what do you think would happen if, so it becomes less about telling someone what to do and more about maybe offering some different ways they could care for themselves in this situation or look at the situation a little bit differently, or maybe come at it from a different perspective. Um, I think I like that even more than giving like brass tacks because there's no wrong answer. Yeah. Could, I think it's, you know, there's no wrong answer. There's no right answer. It's just, I think you're really asking the right questions. Good at that. I think you excel in at that in a way that I do not. And one thing I get a little self-conscious about is I, in my enthusiasm, and I would say this even on our podcast and in our listener questions episodes in my enthusiasm to communicate what I know, I fear that I sound more, instructive than I mean to be sometimes. And then I have that, I have that self-consciousness. And so then, then it's almost like that. I don't want to, I don't want to go there at all because I would really hate for someone to feel like I was telling them what to do or discounting their own 
like their own gut and what their gut is telling them. Cause that is really what I believe. But I think in my communication, sometimes I can adopt this attitude of authority that I don't really have or deserve. Um, I mean, maybe don't even feel no, and don't even feel it's like almost like a stylistic thing. Um, in my Voxer group with my two like high school besties, two of us have kids the same age. So we're four, we both have 14 year olds. And then the other one is like, I don't know, her oldest is eight, maybe. So like several years behind us in parenting. And she will ask directly for advice. And we're very, very close friends. So she will ask the the other two of us who are farther ahead in motherhood. She will ask us for advice. And I, I will give it. And I, I just feel like it's always the biggest disclaimer of like, I feel like I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I, but I really don't. So like, do you do you? So yeah, I just think you're really good, Megan, at keeping it about those, um, open-ended questions and that like reflect, like you would be a really good group facilitator or like mediator or something like that. Um, I can get too excited and start sounding like I'm going right to systems and strategies and let's fix it. Even though like in my heart, that's not what I want to do. And I think I just feel a lot less confident in my systems and strategies and like me having like actual helpful tips. So I excel more in the, in the nuance, I guess. And you actually have helpful real things to bring to the table. So it's just a, I guess between the two of us, we would make like one really solid advice giver. <laughs> when we can actually bring ourselves to give advice, which isn't very often, I guess. So I will share one more thing that has like in more recent times that I have realized is that different. And this is not really an episode about friendships or relationships, but it, it overlaps a little bit. Realizing that you have a particular friend in your life who's really good at a a thing or a type like that something in their personality could serve you with very specific advice, I think is like an awesome part of midlife. Like you realize like, oh, I have that one friend who's just really good with finance and money and like knows a lot. Or I have that other friend who's like so good in the kitchen. And I can think off, like I can definitely name off on my fingers people I would go to who aren't my closest, nearest and dearest ride or dies, but I would go to them with a question about hosting Thanksgiving because they are just the like the best at hosting and entertaining or someone else who's really, really smart at business or someone else who thinks like me in terms of calendar planning and schedules. Yeah. Um, so I think that is kind of maybe that's also about kids getting older and having a little bit more like I have more interests and I have a little more time to think about quote unquote optimizing. I don't really like that word, but think about like different systems and different things in my life. And Ooh, how could this be a little bit better, more enjoyable? And so maybe since I have that bandwidth, then I also realize I have people in my life that I could go to for really specific advice. And I think that's kind of cool. What do you think people think of you for? Like if you were going to say someone, you know, you're, you're maybe not your closest, closest friends, but like people in your circle, what would they think is your strong suit that they would come to you for advice on? Uh, my first thought was was parenting only because I am ahead of a lot of people yeah. in my various spheres. And maybe you were like that, too. But the thing is, I feel really like a huge lack of confidence in my ability to give good parenting advice. Um, not not lack of confidence, but I don't think that's not what I would be most excited to be approached. But I do think that that's what people think of, because, first of all, I have a podcast called The Bomb Hour. And second of all, my kids are older than a lot of people I know. So that is the mm. first thing. Um, I think the second thing is probably like anything internet or social media related. I think I'm much more online 
than most people in my real life. So um, think that and you're probably the same things that have to do with like social media, marketing, Internet marketing, yep. setting up a website, blogging like, oh, I know who I could ask. Do you ever get a little cringy when people come to you? Oh, with my that gosh. Kind of- <laughs> well, because people tend people who are less online than yeah. us, which is, you know, a lot of people in our normal lives. They see what we do. And I think it kind of just gets lumped under like marketing or like, mm-hmm. like any, like people will think that I'm a social media expert because I'm on Instagram and yeah. have been on for a long time. Or they'll think that I'm an expert in things that I'm not, tr- I would not call myself a social media expert. I know some things right. um, and I've been creating content for a long time, but I'm not like at the level where you'd pay me to create a social media strategy for you. I'm yeah. not up on the latest and, you know, the newest things that much. So that's the kind of thing that makes me a little cringy too. Cause I'm like, well, just, I mean, yes, I do this for a living, but there's a lot of aspects to what I do and we get help when we need it. And it's not just me, it's you and me plus our yeah. team. Like there's just a lot of other minds I'm relying on, um, and other labor and other thoughts and ideas and, and, and our partnership and all of that that we're both relying on together to make what the mom hour is happen. Mm -hmm. And it's not because one of us knows everything (laughs) right? or even that many things. Right. So yes, that makes me a little uncomfortable. And I would actually say, um, parenting to some degree, especially for people who have younger families than mine, um, mom life stuff. But I feel like I've always kind of been known as a person who knows a lot of random things about a lot of things. I just know a lot about a lot. You do. Um, and I think that people will sometimes just like be like, hey, Megan, what do you think of this? Because they just kind of think I'll know or I'll know how to know. Mm-hmm. If I don't know it myself, I'll know how to figure it out really fast. And I like that, too. Cause that makes me that does kind of stroke my ego because I do have like pretty good Google skills. And you do. And, and, and you yeah. you have a really good recall. You have a really good memory for information and you know a lot about a lot of things. So I would agree with that. Did you, when you're now like five years post divorce, but do you, did you find another like rash of people coming to you about divorce or single life? Cause I know that's another, there's, it's a little bit private. It's something that like you really want to hear from somebody who's been through it. Did that open up more advice giving or, or getting when you were going through it? I would say for sure from people who I didn't know super well. Um, a lot of people reached out to me privately on like Facebook and Instagram just to, I mean, not even to ask me for like something super specific, like how should I handle my divorce proceeding or whatever, but more like, here's how I'm feeling about this, or I'm trying to date. It's such a mess or whatever. And more of that open-ended conversation that I like to have. Yeah. They were seeking me out to get my perspective and my insights, but it wasn't like, there was no specific ask. Right. It was just like, I need to talk about this and here you are. And you know, some things you're a little further down the road than I am. And I think that's kind of where I've always positioned myself as yeah. like the person to go to when I'm a little further ahead than you yeah. and you just need some ideas. Yeah. Well, I have benefited from that in the realm of parenting and teenagers with you. Um, so I think that is a good, that is a good place for you. Um, well, I like being in that place, but don't ask me to like, tell you where to get the best margarita in town because honestly, will, just a question, a question like that will just stress me out. <laughs> what if I send you to the wrong place? Like, what if I say the best margarita in town is at this place and you go there and you don't like it? What have I, I done we'll, now? We'll all live through that. Yes. That hypothetical. <laughs> I think what we learned from this episode is that like advice column advice like Ann Landers is wildly different from how in our regular life 
we lean on our people to guide our decisions. That's the, that's my sum up of this yeah. topic. And I think I thought going in that like they were almost more related, but maybe what I'm realizing is that the saddest, the, the, why it's so fun to read advice columns and, and we talked about it. There's like, there's still, they still exist. Like it's still yeah. a very interesting thing to read um, a dear Abby or a dear sugar or whatever. It's not the same as how we seek wisdom from our people. It's actually sounds like it's pretty different. It's very, I think it's very, very different because it's not about us. I mean, when you're reading someone else, get advice for, give advice to someone else. Yeah. You are putting yourself, you're being entertained basically. Yeah. You're being informed. You're learning a little bit and maybe you're gleaning some information about what you would do in a, in a, in a similar situation. Yeah. But it's not really for you. It's right. for them. And you're just I, benefiting from it. Yeah. Yeah. And then crowdsourcing is almost like a third thing. So now in my mind, I have a, I have a circular, a three circle Venn diagram with like advice columns and crowdsourcing. And then I don't know what you would even call what we just talked about. Like, like getting, um, perspective from your people, getting guidance and wisdom from the resources available to you in your real life. And it's like, there is a little bit of overlap in those three, but it sounds like we show up pretty differently in all of them. I think we do. We learned something today. We We didn't give any advice. No. Thankfully, because I don't think we would have been very good at giving advice on giving advice since it doesn't sound like either one of us really likes it that We're much. But <laughs> very uncomfortable. Except that is a funny segue because coming up this week on Tuesday and then also a week from Tuesday, we have our back to back listener questions episodes, some of our Amazing. favorites. Um, it is a bit late, friends, to send in questions for this Tuesday because it's literally coming out in two days. It's already been recorded. Um, But you can always send us questions anytime and hopefully you will come listen to those. um, Listen to us. Try to give thoughtful parenting advice to those who asked. Um, So we'll be back on Tuesday with listener questions and we will talk to you then. And we promise we will not seek you out to give you listener advice if you didn't ask for it. How about that? We promise. (laughs) We promise. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com.